0: All right. So my name is Sean. I'm a compulsive overreader. Um, very nice to be here tonight. Um, I'm in Irvine, California. I know where everybody else is, but uh, I'm so used to zoom that, you know, the, the regular phone meetings, which I've been on over the years, that uh, just a little foreign and a little bit more difficult. I feel technologically challenged and my age is showing. Um, I've been uh, a member of Overreaders Anonymous since February 16th, 1987. Uh, my current abstinence, is um, about two and a half years. Um, my top weight is uh, 400 pounds. I was 400 pounds when I got married, that lucky girl. And um, uh, I'm about 250 right now. So I know the the burden of uh, a lot of extra weight. I know the burden of walking around and uh, having people look at you because you don't look normal. And I didn't look normal. and um, and it's, I don't know, I've always felt like people looked at, uh, the overweight people as though it was contagious and, uh, they had to veer away from you. Otherwise, you know, they may break into Ralph's and, you know, start scarfing all the sugar. Um, I, um, I was born and raised in New York, um, and everything was going great right up until kindergarten and then, uh, things started to go awry. Um, I will never forget in kindergarten, um, and this is long before the food became a real issue, there was always something about me that saw the world in a different way, which made it difficult to interact, you know, on the planet with other people. And um, But I'll never forget um in kindergarten they had like a career day, kind of a what you know, what did your father do? What would you like to do? And you know, I had to explain to the class that I, I wanted to be in the mafia, you know, and I wanted to be a mafia chieftain, Don Corleone. Um, in fact, um I, I yeah, I wanted to be Don. I wanted to be the, the the big chief in the mafia. And so this, you know, sent shutters probably up and down my teacher's spine and my parents were called in and that was just, you know, the first of many private meetings. Um, scholastically in school, um, therapist office, um, family gatherings, you know, where the, um, the subject was me, you know, and I'd always hear a little, um, you know, whispering, you know, in, in the other room, and there'd be a lot of, and then my name would be said, Sean, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, what are we going to do about that boy, you know, because, um, you know, I just lied from the gate, you know, I, I was walking around we had just moved from Queens in New York to, out uh, to Long Island. And, um, I was seven and we were, I was walking around this brand new, neighborhood, it was a brand new new development, you know, um, and I'm walking down the street and I run to this family and I say, Hey, you know, little boy, where did you move from? And everybody had a story. People moved from Brooklyn and Queens and out of state and, uh, all the boroughs. And so, you know, I would explain, explained to this brand new family that, um, you know, we had just moved here and we, I had been on safari in Africa you know, and, uh, you know, so, you know, that made for a lot of uncomfortable conversations for my family to answer when they'd meet them independent of me, and, you know, saying, so I understand you're on safari in Africa, you know, and, you know, Queens can be rough, but it's not Africa, you know, and so it's just a lot of, um, you know, um, and I later found out through the help of a fine fellow that a lot of people listened to in the 80s, John Bradshaw, that what I was doing at that time was uh, I knew I wasn't enough even at seven years old. And so I had to create this false self because I knew if I just told you the absolute truth about myself, you weren't going to be interested enough to hang around. And so I better say something damned interesting um, to keep you hanging around because if I don't, then um, you're going to leave and I'm going to die. And, uh, And we can't have that. And that was just, you know, that feeling that really bad need for, um, being a part of um and it was a it was a dependency which led to other dependencies you know food being the the mothership um and you know i um i remember i can remember my parents got separated we moved in with my grandparents which you know was like moving into creedmoor an insane asylum and um you know, my, my grandpa, I was just telling somebody that I was telling my AA sponsor this today at breakfast that, you know, my grandfather might've been the meanest man alive. I mean, he didn't even like his grandkids. Like, you know, the, the normal, you know, succession is that even if you don't like your kids and your kids are in the ass, you get a do over with your grandkids, but he didn't even take advantage of that. And so he, um, he was just awful. And he used to, you know, he used to actually make fun of me for being fat, you know, when I was seven. And, uh, But I remember the first time that I felt comforted by food was in my grandmother's kitchen. And um, she used to, liverwurst was a big um, lunch meat at that point. You know, liverwurst on white bread with um, mustard. Sorry if I'm mentioning food, and that's a no no, but liverwurst really shouldn't uh, be attractive to you at all. But, um, and I remember that feeling of, as soon as I ate it, I have to get some more of this, you know, and that's always been the inside job the inside feeling of with food is that i have to get more of this there's not going to be enough uh i need more food than these people where can i get it and where can i sneak it and it was there was, was always dishonesty and shame surrounded with the food right from the get-go and so um you know life went on and i was you know i'm a fat kid i was the fat funny kid you know and um i hated going shopping i hated Pants pants were the bane of my existence in junior high and high school because pants were a big deal in the eighties in high school and you had to have the right pants. I mean, it was either Levi's or, or or Lee jeans and corduroys were big, you know. So the problem with corduroys is that when you have, you know, thighs that were as big as mine at the time, there's a lot of friction between the thighs and the corduroys don't hold up and so But I knew if I had gained weight, I'd have to go get more corduroys in a bigger size. And the thought of doing that in the fitting room was just too much. So I would just, you know, I'd be, and now, so now my bare thighs are chafing and I'm getting these, you know, I'm basically getting burns from my own flesh because of my um, shame about my pants and my weight and all of that. And it was just, it was just a miserable existence. I'm supposed to be worried about a lot of other stuff, you know, like math and science and English, but now it was all about pants. In junior high and high school, and it was just an awful, awful feeling. Um, and so, um, you know, that went on until um, college. It was just an everyday thing, you know. And I, I, uh, I did not do well in uh, school. Um, I did well in school up till ninth grade, and then my parents got divorced, and then we knew that was that was it, you know. And so, um, we, um, I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, uh, that's where depression set in. And I couldn't, um, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't exist. I stopped going to school. Um, I'd land my bed every day till like one o'clock. My friends would come over, try to get me up. I couldn't do it. And um, finally, the school sent a notice that um, I had missed school. So what they do is they send you this paper and then underneath it was how many days you would missed or whatever days applied to whatever the infraction was. And it said that, you know, Sean has not been in school for 68 days. I can see that as plain as day. And um, so, you know, everybody knew there was a problem. My parents probably got a hold of the note. And so my aunt, who's a Dominican nun for over 50 years now, you know, came flying out from Queens. She was the principal of a girls' Catholic high school. And she came out and cut a deal, you know, where I didn't have to. This is my senior year this happened. So I didn't have to go back to school and suffer the shame of that, which was great. And I got to go take a couple of JC courses because I wasn't far off from graduating, and I eventually graduated. You know, I mean, and it was through the help of my aunt, excuse me, and also this wonderful guidance counselor that really just kind of bailed me out um, and um, really helped me. Um, they just saved me. You know, they were they were the original Eskimos for those of you who know what that is. You know, they were the original people to show up in the snowstorm. And show me the way out, you know and i and it was the first time I experienced anything like that it didn't you know it didn 't perform a miracle or an exorcism, which I needed both at the time to do that and it was at that time I started to graduate on to much stronger um, outside issues and um, and that became a big part of my life and, and changed it. but the food was always there, the food was always um, chattering and talking and and um, and always around to comfort and um you know I felt like if i if I couldn't get to it, you know I was going to die it was it was an absolute addiction and compulsion, and I didn't know that there would be a um a, a relief for it you know i I was constantly on a diet you know that's that's the solution that's the solution a lot of people are still into that's the solution the the solution a lot of people in Overeaters Anonymous are holding on to is a diet if only my food is good you know I go to this great twelve o'clock meeting on sundays um That's based in San Juan Capistrano out here, and you know somebody that I've known for 30 something years in Overeaters Anonymous and AA, and and she said that her food and uh, you know food plan and her absence are two very different things, and I tend to agree with that. You know my absence is about my emotional absence, my emotional sobriety. How am I conducting myself? Am I leaning into a higher power? Have I done these steps? You know all of that stuff. So um, just to cut to the chase in my story, so I wound up. getting in some trouble with the other outer um, outside issues and um, I got into a fight one night after a five-day um, outside issue binge and uh, I wound up uh, assaulting two uh, Suffolk County police officers and um, apparently that is frowned upon so I was taken to jail went to court for a year and finally got off and, and not off but got probation and I relocated it out to California where it all kind of began and you know originally I was just coming out to california to to get the heat off, but also to be a major motion picture and television star and uh and that, that that was serious at the time you know and I wound up wound up doing some stuff, but I wound up you know the, the greatest that I ever got I was a paid regular as a stand up com- comedian at the comedy store and um and that was fun for a while but I just uh, you know there was always a hole you know there was always just this big gaping hole I knew I wasn't right, I knew there wasn't something right I was really addicted to several substances at that point and so, you know, finally my mother came to me and I went into a, a rehab facility in Garden Grove at the Garden Grove Medical Center and uh, was in there for 42 days. And that's really where life began. That's where I started to form a sentence of the truth uh, about myself. I started to learn the full scope of my illness. Um, you know, I encourage that in everybody. You know, the, it's not just about the food. You know, it's what drives me to the food. You know, I have to catch compulsive overeating. Um, I, don't, I don't have it when I get here. When I get here, I'm either overweight or I'm miserable or I'm underweight or I'm uh, a binge vomiter. And whatever the symptom is, and that's what those things are, is a symptom of my disease. And I have to identify the disease. And I also have to identify the depths of it. And I do that through working the steps, you know, through, you know, starting at one and, and, and four through nine is big, you know. And, and, uh, and looking at the, um, the futility in trying to do it under my own, you know, very weak power you know um i was always big into just like we all are we're all taught self-sufficiency and you know if i make enough good enough list on the excel spreadsheet i can you know get myself out of this thing no matter what the situation is and the truth is that of myself i was nothing you know until i leaned into a higher power until i worked these steps and that's what the steps are the steps very simply for me are uh, moving the boulders out of the way between me and my higher power and then having the ability to have a daily conscious contact with that higher power, connecting with that, and then sharing that with another human being. I'm not teaching people how to, you know, eat oatmeal and, uh, you know, two uh, chicken meals a day. You know, I'm, I'm showing people how to connect with a higher power. So in that moment at 11 p.m. when you just can't call anybody and you don't know what to do, that you can lean into that higher power and get relief. You know, dependence upon others does not work, even, even our sponsors, you know, because, you know, as, as the book says, you know, we all have clay feet. And um you know, anything can happen at any time and so that dependence has to be on a higher power. Um, because um people are um are fragile, you know, and people relapse. I mean I've been coming away for thirty three years, thirty three years and you know, um, almost thirty four years and you know my turn abstinence is two and a half years. You know, I've had years of abstinence. I've had ten years of abstinence at a time, but you know, The the food, for whatever reason, I'm still able to rationalize occasionally and and still, you know, I don't look at it the same way. Like I never had a drink or or did an outside issue again, but the food sometimes can be a little, it can seem harmless to me. Ah, it's no big deal. And the truth is that, you know, it's the food that robbed me from, um, you know, a sex life for a long time. It's the food that robbed me from, uh, you know, literally being able to wipe myself without getting in the shower. You know, it's the food that robbed me of friends and family because I was so ashamed and so disgusted with myself that I wouldn't show up at things. It was the food that in the end, when I finally went into the um, the rehab, um, when we would do the prayer at the end of those meetings, uh, people would put their arms around each other. And in the beginning, I had clenched fists because I knew that I was so hideous that no one would ever want their hands on me or my hands on them and um and what an awful awful place to be you know and it's just it's that spiritual soul sickness and it's that disease where it primarily rests in my mind where you know it's just telling me that you know uh, I'm a piece of crap and I don't deserve anything good and by doing that it's trying to get me alone and kill me you know and 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 the food is the tool and what it needs and I was I was talking to my aA sponsor who's never had you know any sort of trouble with food at all and he was trying to you know he goes, so what do you talk about you know i mean you know you know you're not gonna um you know there's this you know there's just not that many great you know sitting around the couch watching netflix binging is a little bit different than you know clubbing with the shorties and, and doing rails all night and you know winding up at an after hours joint getting in a fight you know it's just a different scenario i said no but i said you know as as crazy as you know getting shot during an armed robbery while you're using in the other program i said how we die is we die um young you know uh 50s 60s uh, on a respirator forcing our families to make a decision whether to pull the plug that's what happens to compulsive overeaters and it's always a different um cause of death but it should just say compulsive overeating because it leads to so many different things you know including suicide you know i i was there when i was younger you know and uh, and i still suffer from depression and still you know medicated from depression and um and it's it's tough at times, you know, but you know, I have a way out. I know where I know where I live. I know who I am, I know the depth of my illness. I've done these steps enough to where um you know I'm sponsored. Um I have a sponsor in A, I have a sponsor in OA. I tell my OA sponsor what I eat every day. Um, you know, I go to at least one OA meeting a week, um, that Sunday meeting. Um it's been weird obviously for everybody over the last almost year. And it's just um it's a miserable, um, shameful, painful disease in which there's a way out, you know. And there are so many of us just dying at home, you know. And especially now, and and you know, with the isolation and the um, and not being able to go out and or limited to go out, and um, it's got to be brutal for uh, so many people. And um, and I get that, you know. I. I, I just I understand it. I understand the pain of the compulsive reader. I understand what um, what it feels like, what it looks like, and I also understand the way out. And you know, the way out is not a thousand calories a day. Um, you know, we are not a diet and calories club. We don't endorse any particular plan of eating. I know I belong to a group out here that did for a long time, and every one of those people wound up, you know, um, getting out getting out of there for whatever reason um and i you know i firmly believe that i need to be relieved of the obsession and the way i'm relieved from the obsession is through these steps with the help of a sponsor with a belief in a higher power you know making that decision um doing the inventory reading the inventory you know addressing my defects of character making that list you know clearing the deck you know chuck C used to talk about rubbing out a record you know i have to rub that record out. i have to be able to sit comfortably in any room in my life and, um, you know, be okay with anybody that walks in there. I can't, all those people, anything. I can't afford the resentment. I can't afford the lack of peace of mind or the discomfort in my own skin because if I have those things, I'm going to want to, um, you know, kill the pain. And I have a lot of options in killing the pain, but the first thing that will come because it's the easiest and I hate to say the safest, but it will be the food. Because I can still rationalize the food somewhere in my brain until i I get another um person you know on the horn and and you know and kind of talking through with them and and you know and and kind of outcome it through and and do all of that so um uh, I guess I still haven't hit the five minute bell, but I think we're coming up on twenty minutes I think it was five after when I started but um I understand this meeting meets every night, which is awesome and and um I'm sorry for the Zoom meeting, so this is so strange. I feel like I'm, you know, recording a podcast. But, um, you know, if, if you're new or you're struggling or you've been here forever and it doesn't seem like it's working, you know, the, the, the I don't know, kind of the role play and the, and the plan for me is that um, I can't get honest with myself by myself. Um, I have to start with prayer um, because the only thing that comes before willingness is prayer. You know, please, God, help help me get willing. Help me to put some minerals in my food tomorrow. Help me to, you know, I've had sponsors that started me with, you know, she said eat three piles a day, you know, just, just have four hours in between and eat three times a day, nothing in between, no snacks. Okay, you know, I've done that, and that works. I've had sponsors start me out at, you know, it's just write down what you're eating every day. And you look at that every day for a week or two, and, you know, all of a sudden there's, there's, a, there's a change. But I just want it to be, um, you know, and it's, when I say I want it to be, you know, I'm bringing back my own will into it. But what I pray to God for is that it be uh, of, um, of his will, you know, of his power and not of my wanting, you know. Uh, you know, I, I say my prayer, you know, God, I, I want to, you know, I want to stop eating compulsively. You know, I can't make the prayer to be thin. You know, that's, that's up to God. You know, but somehow, miraculously, people that get abstinent and, um, and get relieved of the obsession, they do get to a normal body weight that's healthy. And that's, that's all I wish for myself and anybody else. So, um, like I said, if you're new, keep coming to the meetings, keep telling the truth, please get a sponsor. You know, uh, if I'm sponsoring myself, I've got a fool for a sponsor and a fool for a sponsee. And, um, and I've tried it. And, uh, you know, my program, the Sean program, is a fabulous program, but we're all gonna die and I'll drive that bus right into the ditch. So uh, that is all I have. Um, I really appreciate um, uh, you guys having me here tonight, and that's it. Thank you.